0: Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy.
1: Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd.
2: Welcome to Katie's Crib, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio.
3: COVID. Boom. Uh well our kid is coming. That this is it. She's there's no stop. Yeah,
2: no one called. Yeah, we yeah, yeah, right. We get to right, right.
3: LAX at 11:30 in the morning to take our flight. We got on the plane with mask and gloves and a garbage bag tied to my waist. I like saw wipe every <laughs> single thing. <laughs> We got to that Airbnb and we hold up for two weeks. We just, we took our temperatures every day at 9am and 5pm and I recorded it and I still have it. And one day I'm going to show Vivi when she says, daddy and dada, tell me about the year I was born. I'm going to be like, pull up a chair.
2: (laughs) Hello everybody. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. Happy World Surrogacy Day! How cool is that? It's World Surrogacy Day. Ah, oh, that makes me really happy, and I found well, not found. I know such cool parents who have their baby through a surrogate, and I wanted to talk all about it on today's episode. I am talking to Joe Z and Rob Yonkers who are incredible parents and friends. We talk in the whole episode about their surrogacy journey, how they found their surrogate, how they found their egg donor, what their birth story was like during the beginning of the global pandemic, and how it's going for them right now as parents of little Vivian Magic Yonkers Z. Joe Z is a Hong Kong born Canadian fashion stylist, journalist, and producer. He's known for being a former fashion director at W Magazine and editor in chief of Yahoo Style. He's also the creative director of the American edition of L Magazine, one of the most widely read fashion magazines in the world. His husband, Rob Yonkers, serves as a fashion design and education consultant. Rob has 15 plus years of domestic and international experience in both fields. He's the co host of Secret Guide to Fabulous on Logo TV. The two of them welcomed their first child together via surrogate, Vivian Magic Yonkers Z, in late April 2020. Welcome to Katie's Crib, Joe and Rob. You guys, I don't know when we first met. I mean, I feel like it's been forever. Uh, Forever ago, like some event or something, Hollywood, She She, McSheeshersums.
3: L Magazine. I think I remember though, Katie. Uh, We did L Magazine women in TV and I think that was also the night that Rob sat next to Meghan Markle and had a whole whole evening with the future Duchess of Sussex.
2: (laughs) Can you stand it? Like can you stand it? Okay so Elle has a lot of fancy events.
3: Multiple dinners. Multiple (laughs)
2: dinners with the future Duchess. So I adore you guys. When I heard that you were on the road to parents and I just felt super connected to you guys because we're all parents, but also we're parenting during a pandemic, but also because we share one of the most special bonds in the world, which is our night nurse, Alexandra, who has been on this podcast. You guys, she was your night nurse and then she moved from yours to me. And I was like, we are forever connected. Totally. We have so many things to talk about, but did you both always know you wanted to be parents?
3: Uh, no, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly thought of both ways of, of, of having my life. I thought, okay, I, I don't need to have kids. I don't have this huge inner desire, but if I did have them, I'm sure it'd be a blast. And when I first met Rob, I always knew that he was going to be an amazing parent. He's incredibly... Uh, warm, he's incredibly thoughtful, selfless, in so many different ways that you have to sort of be as a parent and mm-hmm. and and he's been that with all of our friends and everything. I mean, I think in my head, I always did. I still remember, and I don't know why, but even being in the sixth grade, thinking up names for my kid, and like things would morph all the time, and you know, I would go through stages like, oh, I want a girl, then I want a boy, then I want a girl, then I want a boy, and then you become a teenager, and then you struggle with self identity and being gay, and then as you get to your 20s and 30s, and this was like 80s and 90s it stops becoming a reality because it's like well I'm not going to be able to ever get pregnant if I'm gay and I'm in a same-sex relationship neither of us are going to get pregnant I don't know how this is going to really work you know I wasn't completely informed of all the possibilities back then certainly nobody talked about surrogacy fostering and adoption was really not for same-sex couples it was really not accessible to, to someone in the gay community so It wasn't something that you just said, oh, well, everyone else is doing it. Look at all of these great celebrities that are doing it that we can see. And I can live that kind of life, too. So it was just something you just assume at some point in your life.
2: Wasn't an option for you.
3: That it was not going to happen. So then that moved on. And I remember before I met Rob, I ran into a publicist, uh, a celebrity publicist who was huge. And he had kids. And he told me about a surrogacy agency in Los Angeles. I was still living in New York. That really um, primarily served the LBGTQ community long before that this was really a big thing. And I remember I always kept that in mind. I, I would surf the site and I would look at it, and it's very different back then. It was, you know, looking at all different egg donors, et cetera. And I was like, "Oh my God, this is like a fantasy.
2: Wow
3: um, that I would want to do. I told a friend of mine um, back then when I learned about it, who was a producer at ABC, and she was fascinated, and she did a segment for Nightline uh, on that agency. 18 years ago. And, and I've never forgotten it. And then I met Rob. And then, you know, we were in our whirlwind thing, and then we didn't think about it. And then it sort of really resurfaced again.
2: I think you mentioned on the Canadian journalist, Carol Off's podcast, as it happens, that surrogacy instead of adoption was really the choice that you guys were going to make and the road you were going to travel. Tell me about that, that choice in that conversation.
3: You know, Katie, for me, I always thought if I was going to have children, uh, that adoption would be the the road we would go down. Mm -hmm. And this is a really personal thing for me because um, I think adoption is amazing and it's incredible. But we got to the point where we met with an adoption attorney Mm -hmm. and she broke everything down for us. They'll give you best case scenarios, worst case scenarios. And I had a real epiphany within myself and I had to say, you know what, Rob? Emotionally, I don't know that I could handle that journey, and there was a part of me that felt very guilty, uh, like I had let myself down. Um, it it really took me a while to kind of get get through that, but just that moment of wow, like emotionally, I I don't think I can ride that ride, mm-hmm. and. I think it's the most amazing thing and the most selfless thing to do. But at that point in time, it it seemed like the unknowns were, there were too many unknowns and unpredictable. Now, listen, nothing with having a baby is predictable or, or controllable per se. But in that scenario, I just thought, Rob, this isn't for you right now. And I did, I felt really let down. And then we started discussing surrogacy. And and we had met and then we had gone to see the agency to sort of really weigh out the pros and cons. And I and and really it was a lot of what Rob was saying. I think, you know, we definitely adoption was on the table. And we met with an amazing adoption attorney in New York who was very straightforward with us and we love her. But you know, she said, if you think this is Juno, it's not. It's like, <laughs> right. It is not gonna be a pretty co ed cheerleader who got right. by mistake in Connecticut right. and is now giving up her dream baby. It's like it isn't that. And the fact is, like, there are many, many states that have the ability for the birth mom to change their mind after. Absolutely. Career. Change their mind way down the road. And for us, I don't know that we could have gone through that roller coaster of that particular emotional journey. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's personal to us and what we could do. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with right or wrong. It's just emotionally. I am incredibly anxious, nervous person, total worry, <laughs>
2: You're an East Coast. You're in New Jersey. You run. You run like super anxious. So do I. I and get then it. And my head
3: goes right to like you know she's giving you best case, worst case. But my head goes, well, yours is gonna worst be case, worst case. And it yeah. just was like, okay, like you're not ready for this right now.
2: We think, oh my goodness, there are so many children in the world that need a safe place to be raised um, and love and all these things, and sadly, it's a very complicated, arduous up and down process, which I'm I'm curious to hear how the surrogacy process was for you. We actually did a bunch of episodes on adoption, I think season two, and we were talking to Shonda Rhimes, adoption lawyer, and I was like, this is, I mean, it was just like very eye opening about how wild the process is. So tell me now that you had decided that surrogacy was the way to go, did you end up going with the people you had talked to like 18 years earlier? Was it a different agency? Tell me about your surrogacy process.
3: Well, actually, yes, we went with that agency, but and in, a, in a really strange roundabout way. I mean, I, I had that talk show on ABC and our person who was in charge of social media at the time, he had twins via surrogacy too. And I was talking to him about it and he said, well, you know, we didn't use an agency, but we had all these individuals because as you do it, there's a lot of many elements. We need an IVF doctor, you need a legal lawyer, you need a, you need a petition, you need all of these different things. So it doesn't. It's it's an army that actually makes it all happen for you. And he said it would have been easier if he had to do it again to do it through an agency who could actually handle all that because we don't know any of the things that we need.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Skylight Frame. Mother's Day is almost here. What are you getting her? Something that shows you care. Something that makes her feel loved. Something that won't stress you out. Something like the skylight frame. Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com slash easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com slash easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com slash easy.
2: V Magic
1: yeah, Yonker
2: yeah. Z. Vivi Magic, which is Vivian. Yeah. Vivian Magic. I'm obsessed with the name. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And how old is she right now?
3: Almost 17 months
2: you're in conversation with your surrogate the whole pregnancy. Right. And then you can decide whether or not you're, you are in continuation of being in conversation with each other for the rest of your baby's life. Right.
3: Yeah. You know, what's interesting, Katie, is like, you think once people have gone through this, it's like, Oh, now we've got all this knowledge about how everything works, A to Z, you are learning as you go. It's kind of like surrogacy is still this little bit of a mystery, a secret. How's it all happened? And I mean, I can kind of break down it in simple steps how it how it all works.
2: Yes. I want to hear about how did you choose your surrogate um, and tell me about her pregnancy.
3: All right. So let me just pull the whole curtain back. And a disclaimer, Joe is probably going to freak out later because I am bluntly honest about this. And here's the reality. Surrogacy the way we did it with an agency. Is incredibly expensive.
2: Oh, it's ridiculous.
3: so. There's no. There's. I think there's no reason to deny that. And we were lucky enough to have the money to go through this process. So step one is finding your egg donor. I think what a lot of people don't understand is that in. I think in the majority of states, it's actually illegal to have your surrogate also be the egg donor. So your surrogate has no bloodline to the baby. So. Again, we say, oh, we went with an agency. They send you their data bank um, with all the medical information, photos from childhood to adulthood, family history, education. Some of them had videos. So you're looking through this database of people. It was like a psycho Tinder. We would, that was like our night (laughs) (laughs) time activity. Like, oh, let's get in bed and scroll through the girls. It felt like really odd. Wow. And it also, I think it brings up so many questions for example um you know all of us that are parents you 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 really don't care what your child looks like it's all that's not important but in surrogacy you have to make those decisions in choosing an egg donor you have to decide so for us and everything's kind of for us for us what worked was you know what let's find an egg donor who could resemble either of us yeah that has like a, a mixed background so we were kind of primarily thinking Asian and Caucasian, just what felt right for us. Um, so that, you know, our daughter could look like either of us.
2: Of course. A lot of people choose that. I, I We've had episodes on sperm donors. I mean, it's it's a very like common thing. Yeah. Well, you got to start somewhere. Just like, what is the box we're trying to contain this? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> the funny part of this is we're going through the data, the database and we're thinking, nobody feels right. Nobody feels right. So we speak with the agency. And we love them. Don't get me wrong. But they said, well, if you'd like for X amount more, we can introduce you to the people at.
2: Oh, my. This is real life. This is a sh- Has anyone made this show?
3: It's, oh, so, what is it's this? really good. Let's make it, Katie. They, uh, they have a much larger data bank. They can zero in more specifically. However, there's a timeline. Don't quote me on this, but it was something like from the time they do their search and hand over the list, you have two weeks to decide for whatever reasons. And what comes in is this list that says, okay, um, I call it the proven winner. People who have been egg donors in the past, this is what her fee is based on the amount of eggs that she produced the first time she did it. So that's actually how we found our egg donor. Wow. Um, and no, it's super, super crazy. And like they literally, because they type it in, it's like. I kept saying, it's like sweet greens. You could check off all the boxes of things that you want. Right. And they send you an entire list. And then we picked, and we had two weeks to pick. Like Rob said, we found her on one of the last days. And I woke up, and I still remember this, on January 1st, 2019. And we paid for her, the first thing we did on on New Year's Day.
2: Oh, that's so beautiful. And also, for do- egg donors, you're looking at, like, Medical history and stuff like that, well, yeah. right? So,
3: like, the most important factors for, for us, I keep saying for us because I know people get offended by everything, but for us, no. it was medical background. Yeah. And you have to match with this donor. Your stuff has to match with their stuff. So, that comes yeah. after you choose them. But we looked at her history, we looked at her upbringing. She actually, interestingly, was adopted.
1: Oh, wow.
3: But we had, wow. you know, me- she had medical records and things for her biological parents. Um, And we laugh because your head's spinning. You're going, how are we picking? How are we picking? What's the most important? Ivy League school doesn't matter. Education, nature, nurture. I said, okay, Rob, like when you meet a person, what's the most important thing? Look in their eyes. And for me, when I looked in her eyes, I said, wow, this is like a really beautiful being. And this is her. I agree. We just connected. And she incidentally had done this before with um, a branch of the IVF office that we were also doing in Pasadena. I think everything worked out. And like, you know, and in our particular instance, another thing that we learned along the way was that our IVF doctor said, when you pick a viable egg donor that you guys are interested in, send the profile to us and we'll match the genetics before you commit.
2: Oh, how great. So that your sperm...
3: But there are no medical issues. Yeah, that there's no right. medical
2: issues. Like, there's exactly. no, like, because if you both line up, say, for example, of having Tay sachs or one of the other 264 genetic diseases, if you guys line up, then, oh my gosh, you've gone through this whole process of picking an egg donor. And then it's not great that her egg and your sperm, something could be messed up.
3: And then it would not take when we transferred. And I think what was so interesting was the nurse, like, said to me one day at the office, and she said, you know, I'll be honest and tell you guys that you guys are in probably a better position because you guys, I get to match all of the genetics and run it through the machine and tell you everything about whether it's viable or not. When a heterosexual couple comes into us and says, we can't get pregnant, but we'd like to, we just help them try to get pregnant. We do not run through their genetics because it's not our place to tell them that they're not genetically compatible as a couple. You guys are just merely picking someone out of entire databank as someone to, to to match. And if it doesn't match, you guys will just match with someone else. And so it's a different scenario. And I was like, oh, that is so different and interesting and so scientific and medical at the same time.
2: Yeah, but amazing. I mean, it's yeah. this is like so cool. You know, I literally just had a friend who had some weird tests come back. She's pregnant. They found out like her and her husband are like 800th cousins removed like from <laughs> I'm Ohio. shitting you not. Like, <laughs> I am not even kidding. The baby's fine. They're fine. It's okay. But they were like, they figured that out like way after the fact. So we've got the egg donor. We've got her. We've got her egg. We're going to put her through the IVF process where she is going to do the two or three month situation where she takes the hormones. She goes under briefly and they get eggs out. Now, how are we picking a surrogate?
3: You know, that process That data bank was much smaller, to be be honest with you.
2: I know surrogacy is really hard. We've done, we had Gabrielle Union on and she was talking about her surrogacy experience, and I've had a bunch of friends go through it. It's very hard to find a surrogate.
3: By that point in the process, the agency knew us very well, knew our personalities, and they did a great job of trying to match us with potential surrogates. You know, Joe can give you the details, but we met, we only met two you know, via like zoom Mm
1: -hmm. and
3: the first one dropped out. Um, You know, honestly, I think she was in it for money Mm -hmm. and ended up getting a job instead of doing this. You know, it is what it is. Like people, it is what it is different motivation, but Mm -hmm. the second surrogate that they hooked us up with, we, we had a dream experience. The most lovely girl, 29 years old in Minnesota, um, divorced mother of three, had always felt this desire to to be part of this journey with a family who couldn't have their own child. Her husband, when she was married, did not want any part of that. She got divorced and decided, you know what, this is one of the things I'm going to do because I always wanted to.
2: And obviously she has three kids. So she, was that like such a great sign for you that like, she's got this, she's carried yeah. Well, I mean, legally,
3: legally you're not even allowed to be a surrogate unless you've had a kid before. And, and I've come to understand this a lot that people think surrogates do it for money. The surrogates really do it because they love being pregnant. They love being able to uh, help others. And I think that's really what came through with our particular surrogate. In our particular instance, I mean, just to get into the nitty gritty, the, this is why the agency was so amazing. They're like, we are going to find you a surrogate, but not any surrogate that's going to be able to be applicable because it really depends on the state that they live in. Because we are a same-sex couple, every state has very different regulations. And I think up until recently, the last state where surrogacy was legal was New York.
2: New York, it New literally York. just changed like six to eight months ago. Yes, right? and
3: it, d- during COVID they changed, but it was illegal to be a surrogate or to have surrogacy in the state of New York, which you would, which is my Shocking, story. shocking. But that being said, there are many states in this country right now that have different regulations. So our agency said, we can't just find you a surrogate in any state because a lot of states will not allow a same-sex couple surrogacy. A lot of states will not put the same-sex couple on a birth certificate of the surrogacy. And certain states will say, oh, you can put one of the same-sex couple who is the biological parent, and then the surrogate goes on the birth certificate. So they're like, we don't want any." Oh my
2: God, what? It's a
3: nightmare. Or some states require you to put the egg donor on as Ugh. on the birth certificate. So ultimately, it gets whittled down to like, here's a small handful of states that will actually allow a birth certificate to reflect both of the same sex parents. Good old Minnesota.
2: Good old Minnesota.
3: But the first woman that we interviewed with, she was in Alabama. Can you believe that Alabama is one of those states that would allow this? So, you know, for us, it was all of a learning um, journey and everything. And I think just a quick story, and I tell this all the time, and Rob's sick of it, but I think what was so great was that trying to explain to people what the surrogacy even really is and that how... The surrogate is very different than the egg donor and it is not a connected thing. There is no genetics from the surrogate to our egg, et cetera. And the very first woman that we had interviewed and that we liked and ultimately didn't happen because she took another job, she was a single black mom in Alabama. She had a son and she was like a lovely woman. We had had met with her via Zoom. And I remember sitting in in New York and having coffee with an old colleague of mine from L and, and saying what was happening. And I was saying like, you know, like a single black mom is going to give birth to a half-Asian, half-Caucasian Wow! Asian. And this was a very intelligent person I was having coffee with, and her mind was going, she's like, I never would have thought about that. And I said, well, for us, that's the new normal. Like, that is the new family. Yes,
2: people are very confused. Uh, even in um, Gabrielle Union's episode, her father, who, like, explaining this to anyone who's, this is big for us to wrap our head around, Yet someone who's like maybe in their 80s or whoever old Gabrielle Union's dad is, you know, like coming around being like, wait a second, even if the surrogate is white and she uses your egg and you're a black person, she's going to give birth to a black person? You're like, yeah, the surrogate is the home that the baby comes in, but it is not any of the genetics, it's not the egg, it's not the sperm, (laughs) it's amazing.
3: Until you articulate it, I think people don't really connect all the dots because it isn't part of their everyday life. Like we haven't been in a place where everybody has talked about surrogacy in a very open way. I mean, this was Rob's point at the very beginning, which was true. He's like, I want to be very open about this because for us, it's like we're scrolling through Instagram and all of a sudden two gay friends, here's a baby, welcome. And we're like, where did they come from?
0: Get 15% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com easy. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T-F-R-A-M-E dot com easy. Get 15% off your Mother's Day purchase now at skylightframe.com easy
2: I think you mentioned on Carol's podcast that there were a lot of highs and lows during the surrogacy. Were there scares? Were there like, were you guys constantly in touch like via text with how she was feeling? Oh yeah.
3: In getting to know her, we knew the type of person she was. We knew her lifestyle. We knew how she took care of herself and her family. And we just let it go. We were like, look, every once in a while, I like a number two at McDonald's.
2: Sure. No, so sure, give me
3: sure. those two burgers and the fries. If this is sure. what she wants, fine. I can't believe I just said a number two at McDonald's. That sounded horrible, but you know what I mean? No.
2: Saying. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, like, wait, are meal. we talking about no the meal? I was like, are we taking it? A... You mean like taking no, a dump so at McDonald's?
3: <laughs> me, and she's very healthy. She's very active. So we felt really confident in her ability to um, really have a great pregnancy in that sense and take care of our baby. She, she was like, healthier than us, to be quite honest. Like She was telling us that her ex-husband had a heart scare. So they had gone much more vegan and healthy and vegetarian. And she had added protein back into her diet when she got pregnant. She was incredible. When I tell you we had the ideal situation, we truly did. The relationship oh, that. that we created with her, um, just to jump yeah. forward a sec, we're still in touch with her and we say, I love yous. We um, are close with her children. We have Aww. a very open relationship and we I think we always will. Rob and her birthday are two days apart. I, I think, you know what, I think the highs and lows really was really more about like, the minute you start to become a parent, everything is terrifying. Do you know what I mean? So
2: Terrifying. Like,
3: so like we did the transfer. Oh, I hope it takes. I hope it takes. I hope it takes. Then we've crossed that hurdle. Then it took and she's officially pregnant. Then it's like, I hope she keeps it. I hope she keeps it.
2: Yeah. Like, are we going to make it past 12 weeks? Are we going to make it 12 weeks? Are we yeah. going to make it past 20 weeks? Are we going to get past this scan? Are we going to get past this?
3: And not being able to see her or be with her because it really is a lesson in letting go of control. We had no control. None.
2: You have to just fully, no, you guys are pregnant too. And that's how we feel, you know, like my pregnancies the whole time. I'm like, you're just, you know, Jesus take the wheel or whoever, but oh, like, you're not, God. you know what I mean? Like you, it's the biggest lesson and like, I cannot control this. It's so much bigger than me. So highs and lows in learning like, oh my gosh, I'm terrified. Oh my gosh, we've crossed another hurdle. Did she give birth during COVID? No, no, no. Two
3: yes. Oh, two no, a month after lockdown, but two weeks after lockdown, we had to make a decision about what to do. Like that's a, I, I did, we can tell you, cause it was a huge part of the equation. Um, so, I mean, backtrack, I, I went to Minnesota uh, at 20 weeks to do the whole 20 week appointment and we got her heart beat and everything. And then well, Rob had to work so he couldn't leave. But, he, but then we went back together at 28 weeks and we saw her and then we got back there at deliveries. But for, for the birth, Oh, my God. All right. This is how it goes, Kate. Oh, now, God. Original plan, right? You're having your baby. The most magical, amazing time in your life. My mom's going to fly in from New Jersey. We're all going to stay there together. Our surrogates' kids have already asked, when the baby's born, can we hold her? Yes, yes, yes. A family oh, there. Sh- the whole thing. Um, Alexandra, the amazing night nurse, is also flying with us. We have no clue what we're doing. COVID. Boom. Uh, well, our kid is coming. But this is it. She's... There's no stop. Yeah,
2: no one called Yeah, 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 right, right, right. We said to my mom,
3: look, we're not taking this risk. Sorry. We'll see you when we can see you. Alexandra Night Nurse, guys. I'm really, really sorry. I don't feel comfortable flying right now. Okay. Um, so holy
2: shit balls.
3: Everybody what? had an opinion. Everybody. We're getting random calls. Listen, I just wanted to tell you, I think you should drive to Minnesota. Da, 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 da. Well, guys, we think you should fly. Everybody had an opinion. We finally looked at each other. I said, Joe. This is the beginning of parenthood. This is when we have to make decisions for us and make the best decisions for our child. Welcome to this world.
2: Oh, my God. I have goosebumps all up and down. So my guys, this is so wild.
3: This we said so wild. points of contact. We're going to meet more people along the way, driving or flying, driving, hotels, motels, gas stations, this, that, eating. Okay. So we flew Lysol wipes in hand. Masks, the gloves, the whole thing. Remember, this is very early on. Yeah,
2: we didn't even have any answers. We didn't know what we know now. Oh.
3: Yet we rent an Airbnb in Minnesota to quarantine two weeks before. We get there. We're quarantining. It's just the two of us with all our stuff. And we didn't know at that point whether the hospital was going to admit us in.
2: Oh my God. One
3: or both. Or none. So I was calling every day.
2: We oh my a god! Situation,
3: but look, we ended up in a great spot. We were very fortunate. Um, the hospital we were at had had no COVID cases. We we're both allowed in the delivery room. We actually stayed in the hospital. They were incredible with us, and we were there for every part of it.
2: Oh, you guys! I know, I can't but Katie, stand we
3: locked down. I remember we locked down on March eighteenth. Vivi's due date was April 27th. So we had always planned. We had tickets ready to go on April 18th. We are going to get there a week earlier, which is what the agency recommended. And then when we locked down, I looked at Rob and I said, what are we going to do? What?" Because there was con- constant changing rules of like you have to quarantine for two weeks if you're coming from a hot zone and this and that. You may be allowed in, you may not be allowed in. And I said, we can't afford to miss being in her delivery room because we missed the quarantine moment. So I said, we have to just make our the trigger and make our own self decision to do self quarantine so we said fine we changed our tickets we left for minneapolis on april 5th i remember all of this the two days before i left i was on cnn i took a picture the banner underneath said less next week will be worse than 9 11 and pearl harbor combined based on COVID and or what was called corona back then and we were like okay we're going to do this we're going to get to the airbnb we get to LAX at eleven thirty in the morning to take our flight. It was empty, ghost town. Everything was gated. The lights were off. Someone vacuuming in a corner. We get on the flight. It's just Rob and I and two people in the back. That's it. Going to Minneapolis.
2: You guys, this is like captivatingly. I, I I'm sorry. I'm just like. I mean, and it's only such a uh, thank God because everything worked out beautifully. Thank God.
3: But now we can look back and say, okay, whatever. We didn't know back then we were wiping down cans of tomato sauce. I'm oh, like, no. yeah. Like, we got on the plane with masks and gloves at a garbage bag tied to my waist. I Lysol wiped every <laughs> single thing. And said, Don't touch this. We had to have my brother from Canada send us Lysol wipes because we didn't have anything. We had three suitcases packed. One was just Rob and I's like sweatpants. One was everything for Vivi because we're like, what if we're stuck on the road? What if airlines shut down? Katie, we packed paper towels because we didn't know what the situation would be at the grocery stores there. COVID has affected everyone, every single person on this earth in some way. Our experience of the the picture you paint of what it's going to be like when you have your child, that joy, that excitement, that just such a human emotional moment then on the opposite side is the most terrifying, scary thing you've ever lived through. And you put them together. It throws you for a loop. But I would say in those moments, you don't have like, this is our baby. This is our baby. What do you do for your kid? You do everything you can. So we had to get in that mode where it was like, okay, checklists, worst case scenarios. If this happens, we're going to do this. If that happens, what do we need to bring? Maybe there won't be paper towels. Let's bring extra wipes. I I had a runny nose before we left. and I literally was like, petrified because you couldn't get tested back then you didn't know what was no
2: they tests weren't even like created yet and if they were they were like 40 percent false you know oh. it was a whole shit you, had storm. To, you
3: had to be hospitalized on a ventilator before they even did a test back then
2: oh literally
3: we got to that Airbnb and we hold up for two weeks we just we took our temperatures every day at 9 a.m and 5 p.m and I recorded it and I still have it and one day I'm going to show Vivi when she says daddy and Dada, <sighs> tell me about the year I was born I'm going to be like pull up a chair because (laughs) it is everything to do with that. Everything to do with our journey, everything. Like we're the only people in the maternity ward and we lived in there. You
2: guys have to write this book or this show or something. I mean, this is just incredible. It's incredible. Her birth story is just amazing. And how was
3: the birth? Katie, it's so funny because it felt like the calmest thing ever. So the hospital was lovely. Our health insurance... Company, everything the way it worked was really, really beautifully done. It was so great as two gay men to be really treated as the parents of this child. And we had our own room. I mean, this is funny in itself. We each had one of the hospital beds. And I remember it was like, oh, the baby might come soon, whatever. The hospital called up, hey, do you want lunch? Sure, I'll have a grilled cheese and a tomato soup. I'm sitting there. I had done some like eye patches, you know, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) The nurse comes in and says, it's time. I'm like, oh, perfect. I just finished my lunch. We walk in. I had said to myself, listen, you are going to faint if you watch anything. I walked in that room and something came over for me. I said, I want to see it all. Oh. Joe was recording. I was holding her hand. Um, oh, I,
2: I'm so emotional. You guys, this is she, so beautiful. She says to us,
3: she said, um, listen, I've done this before. Here's how it's going to work. Hold my hand. They're going to tell me to count to 30 and stop. You keep counting.
1: All right, I don't know
3: what's going on. (laughs) She holds my hand. She is squeezing, squeezing, squeezing. Count one, two, three. We hit 30, 31, 32. She's still pushing. Boom. What was it? 40 seconds. The baby was out. No, I thought you counted to 11 and the baby was out. No, it was like just past 30. And that's it. The baby, two pushes. Out she came. came. Out she came with her hands. I swear, this is so funny. In prayer position. (laughs) Yes. The hands were like this. I have a picture of this. Hands in prayer position with this giant head of hair. I was like, oh, I got a baby with hair. Awesome. Yes. I was all he wanted. We <laughs> we on the floor. They were like, wait a sec.
2: She's already here. There was no pushing. I this woman is. Part. Oh, yeah. you guys. And now you have a baby. You have no Alexandra, no night nurse. We're in COVID. Who was there to help you? Like you said, Joe, you had never changed a
3: diaper. No one. And, and we had the nurses teach us a lot of things. I have to say, like, this is also why there's so there's so much more levels of education needed. Even a lot of the nurses and even the attending pediatrician didn't really understand the surrogacy. They said, we've never had this before in our hospital. And they thought that our surrogate was also the genetic birth mother of our daughter, and they even said, oh, she looks like you to our surrogate.
2: Oh, my God. Oops. We
3: could definitely do a part two about like etiquette.
2: Oh, yeah. People have absolutely no idea.
3: Somebody came in. One of the nurses came in. And again, they were all incredible. And I think it's just a lack of knowledge. No, it's
2: a lack of education. It's an, a lack and of not, not, and an experience.
3: experience. She kind of took my hand and said, I just feel so bad. How is that mother going to let go of her baby? And I was like, She's not that she, you know, but she's not
2: it. her, it's not her baby. I mean, really, it's like, so, oh, here's a question. Does a surrogate always breastfeed or not?
3: It's up to you. Great question. So the, the relationship we had built with her, she said, listen, guys, I'll do whatever you want me to do. We had planned early on. We were mostly going to go with formula. Um, yes. but they had told us like, listen, the colostrum, that sort of first go of the breast milk is very yeah. good for the immune system. All right. COVID. Okay. So she said, I'll do whatever you want. So we said, cool. Like we weren't worried about the baby latching on or whatever. And she ended up, ugh, we just love her. She ended up staying in the hospital on her own accord for another three days to breastfeed the baby so that, so that we could make sure she had enough colostrum and immunity built. When we traveled home, we left when she was three days old, we left from hospital to airport. This is how great like we knew Vivi was from the very beginning. So we put her in the car seat. We put the plastic thing over it. We say goodbye. The night before, I slept one hour. Because like I said, I've never changed a diaper before. I've never even fed a baby before. I don't even know how this works. So they put her in our room. Because previously, she sat with the nurses. And she put her in a room. And I was like, I never slept. I was just like, every time she made a noise, I'm like, oh, what was that? Oh, <laughs> of course. Oh, my
2: gosh. It's so, fucking terrifying.
3: Terrifying. So then I stayed awake for most of the night. And then we got up and then we put her in the car seat. I had to drive two and a half hours from where we were at the Mayo Clinic to the Minneapolis airport. We got through security. We got on a plane. It was another two and a half hour ride. Um, And then we get in a car and drive home to our house. The whole thing was a little bit about like seven or eight hours. She never really cried. She didn't even poop. We didn't even have to change a diaper.
0: Wow. Yeah. It was funny.
3: Like three days old. And, you know, it's like, oh my God, her first time in a car seat. But it was for us, it was like, oh, first time in a car seat. First time with us alone with her. She's going to fly in an airplane. She's going to get in another car. We're going to go home.
2: Wow. You guys just jumped forward and did a lot of stuff right off the bat. I know you guys have to go. So very quickly, I just want to ask you, parenthood is? Maybe end that sentence.
3: Well, I I think, I mean, I, I don't know that I have one word for it. I mean, I think I... I have loved it it is the hardest thing i've ever had to do and i think you hear that from everyone so i don't i don't want to be
2: no say it uh, again I don't it's true be
3: okay um but i think for me and parent is so anticipatory so for me it's like i'm constantly worried about the next thing we, we've we touched on this before it's like oh is she gonna be pregnant is she can be this is she gonna be that and then i'm gonna be like is she still breathing and then we've gotten over the three month thing that hurdle she yeah. over she's gonna hit her head is she gonna it's always going to be something all the way up until the point she's like driving and dating and all these things. And I'm going to be like consistently worried. And I realized that that level, that mild level of anxiety and worry will just be a part of you. So I think you just learn to live with that. And I'm okay with that. I am, it's been incredibly satisfying to see another little human being start to become someone if that even makes any sense. And if you can even say that for someone at 17 months. No, but, um,
2: she is. She's becoming someone. It's And you guys have a huge hand in that. It's incredible. What about you?
3: I would say that just like life, it's, it's, it's a journey. It is not a destination. You are on your toes constantly. No matter how much help you may have or whoever's around or wh- whatever's going on, that child is yours. If you're not with them, they are on your mind. I would say it's brought about shifts in me and and because these little beings are watching everything you do, hearing everything you say, and you can see them from a very young age emulating you. So it is adjusted the way that I may um, handle myself. I, I would say that it's really put me in a place where I want to be the best version of myself.
2: Yeah, they're really our greatest teacher. I had someone on the podcast that is like, you get the child that raises you to a level of consciousness that you would have never been able to get to without that child because they are pushing, you're really working hard to be your best version so that they can model that. But good Lord, is it hard.
3: And I think she's gonna be this incredible human being. Like I think there are no accidents and there are no coincidences in life. The fact that she was born at the very beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, for all of that, like I think about this all the time. I think that she was born in, Uh, Minnesota outside Minneapolis a month before George Floyd like not far from that and like the reality is like I feel like there are a lot of things that make the year that she was born an incredibly historic year for many many reasons and I think that as we see her start to grow and she starts to become so independent have a voice and opinions and, and, and become this little person
2: Look at how many lives she's changed already. I mean, I think about those nurses that were at the Minnesota hospital who'd never had an experience like that. And and Vivi is who brought that to them. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. Like that nurse in her life will get to say, you know, I had never birthed a surrogate baby before with, you know, And it was
3: not easy to get there, you know, like we say this all the time. We sat down at that agency and the first thing they said, well, like, this will take about two and a half years. And Rob and I looked at each other, we're like, oh, we don't have that kind of time. We're like, then they're there. And I I think the other thing with parenthood more than anything else in my life is until you are one, you don't realize every cliche is true. My mom always says to me, oh, Rob, I'm sure like you're going to have so many times where you wish you could go back and stick your foot in your mouth. Basic based on. Why can't my sister have a normal conversation with me? You know, because mm-hmm. kids are all consuming and I'm now running around. Oh, she's got this. She's got that. Trying to have a FaceTime and, you know, on the she's other she's
2: pulling end, up, dizzy, but she's opening like, up cabinets. Katie's crib will exist because we haven't even gotten to the teenage years, which I am like right now. We're just trying to keep them alive and like not open up things <laughs> or digest laundry detergent and like eat something they're allergic to or whatever, which is hard. When we start getting into, like, the real emotional work, which we are doing now, but, like, I'm talking heartbreak and identity and values and opinions and the first time they feel less than. All of these things, I'm like, "Ah, what did we do? (laughs) Holy shit. This is crazy. You guys, thank you so much for coming on Katie's Crib. This was so epically important and I learned so much and I know our listeners did as well Katie's crib will be around a while and I just need to keep checking in with you guys and parenthood and on our Vivian magic Yonker Z we love you guys thank you so much have a great day thanks
3: Katie Bye
2: -bye. bye Thank you guys so much for listening to Katie's Crib. And again, happy World Surrogacy Day. What do you guys want to talk about in this season? Tell me. Talk to me. Questions, comments, concerns. You can always find me at Katie's Crib at Shondaland.com. Katie's Crib is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.